Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Hey, thanks for all on the keyboards. That's awesome. Good job. Uh, you know why I'm speaking, don't you? He can't do 25 minutes. So he gave it to me today to do 25 minutes. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to squeeze out 30 if I can. Okay. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just believe right now that you're in this house. You're going to speak a word of encouragement, blessing. You're going to stir our hearts. The will of God is going to be accomplished. We thank you now. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to just say up front, I'm going to tag onto what Chris talked about last week. So we're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit. But you have to understand something. Each one of you in this room has a heart. And the heart, according to the Bible, has to do with the soil that the seed is planting on. When I read Scripture and talk about Scripture, I'm throwing seeds at you. I'm throwing seeds at you. It's not my, and seeds will grow automatically if you plant them. But you have to, according to scripture, it's not, it's not the seed that's most important in the planting, it's the soil. Go to Matthew 13, there's four soils, and I'm telling you right now, you've got to make your soil ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, let's, I got to talk fast, but I got to talk clear. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but we're going to go back to the Old Testament, go into the New Testament. You have to understand the Holy Spirit has always been here. And he is one of the Godhead. And although he was a part of the Old Testament, he was not here full time. He came in times and seasons, and he would come to stir up and present himself to Old Testament patriarchs to allow them to do what they needed to do. But then in the New Testament, when Jesus was here, he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He did everything. He could heal. He could raise from the dead. He did all that. But he was one person who could only be at one place at one time. So when he leaves, he introduces the person who's going to come, and he's going to be here all the time, everywhere. And that was the Holy Spirit. So the difference is the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter 2, was introduced to the world at Pentecost. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and they, they birth the church. The Holy Spirit falls on those, those 120 in the upper room and something happens and God began to move. Now, right now, all of you in this room, as Chris has been talking about, your little temples, your little temples, and so what the Holy Spirit wants to do is come and fill you up in such a way that you can represent God and be full of the Holy Spirit and be little Christ or anointed ones. So what, we are, what we're here today uh, to see ourselves as, as those who represent heaven to earth, but if you don't know the Holy Spirit and you're not tied into the Holy Spirit and you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you will, you will walk a very ordinary and very boring, even Christian life. Now, let me just tell you how it works. 
I was born on Wednesday at 2.30 in the morning. I just asked my mom that. And I was in church on Sunday. And I was in church ever since then. My dad was a pastor. And they taught me all the things of the, of the Bible and the word. And I, I, I loved God. But there just seemed to be something missing. I remember when I was in college, I went out into the park and I kind of yelled at God for a while. And here, I'm a believer. I love God. I yelled at him for a little while. Come on, God, is it there more than this? If this is all there is, I'm not sure I want it. I did. I yelled at him for a little bit. I was a little, you know, I just wanted more. And so, if there's more, give it to me. Don't pray that unless you really mean it. In a few months, there was more. In 1973, the Holy Spirit came upon me, changed my whole life. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Everything changed. Everything transformed me from one person to another person. He will take who you are and make you who you will be. You see, here's, here's the... Here, here, God has already written the plan for your life in heaven, and it's in books. The plan for your life has already been written. What the Holy Spirit does today, he comes and he looks at the book, and he works with God to work it out. So he comes to fill you, to direct you, to encourage you, to stir you, to passionately fill you, so you can fulfill what you were made to do. You're the blueprint for your life. And so that's what the Holy Spirit is here today to do. And Chris did a great job last Sunday of, of directing us towards the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the book of Acts, and we're going to talk about the book of Acts a little bit here. The book of Acts is, should be the, entitled the Acts of the Holy Spirit because that's really what it is. It, it, it's titled the Acts of the Apostles or the Disciples, but really it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And the whole book is about how God moves when you let, your, what, let the Holy Spirit into your life. Okay, are you with me? Okay, now we have to start in the Old Testament to go to the New Testament to see how this whole thing works. My whole point is this. Even as a believer, you will not fulfill the call of God on your life until you are filled with the Holy Spirit and let him work in you totally and completely. Now, in the Old Testament, and I, I want to say it this way, you have to have an encounter with God that changes your life. You have to have an encounter. There's, there's an old, this is a fascinating story, and I want to just share this story, then we're going to go to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a story about Moses and the children of Israel. You've, I'm sure you've heard the story, and there's a great contrast, however, in the attitudes of Moses as compared to the attitudes of the children of Israel. Now, you remember the story. The children of Israel suffered greatly in Egypt because they were in Egypt for 430 years. And uh, they, were, they, they received harsh treatment and there was all this agony that was happening. So the, the children of Israel started crying out to God. And they cried out to God in their, in their agony, Lord, deliver us! Lord, deliver us. And so they prayed that years after year after year. And finally God heard them and sent Moses to deliver them. Now, this is interesting. The Lord answered the prayers of the children of Israel and sent a, a deliverer. The deliverer was Moses. Though Moses was born a Hebrew, he, had a, he escaped slavery and he was raised as the grandson to Pharaoh in his house in in. And Pharaoh at that point was the wealthiest person in the world. 
So here's, here's Pharaoh, the wealthiest person in the world. Moses lives in his house. In other words, Moses would be like living in Bill Gates' house. He's living in Bill Gates' house. He has all the benefits. He has all the tutors. He has all the money. He has everything he wants. And, and he has all that. He's, he's, he's living in Egypt. But something happens. He realizes his heritage. He, he uh, kills somebody. He has to flee for his life to the wilderness. Now, here's the contrast. Here's the children of Israel. And even though they suffered cruelty after they were delivered, they were always quick to forget God and his deliverance. After their deliverance from Egypt, whenever things went wrong, they would regret their flight and they would always say this, it was better for us back in Egypt. And they went on and on. Ten times they complained. Now this is interesting. We have, uh, how many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. How many complaints were there as they passed through the the wilderness, 10. How many commandments were given to Moses? 10. Just a little Bible study, just to let you ruminate on that just for a few minutes. But even, even, even as they uh, had suffered all this, they always, when they came into something difficult, now I want to tell you right now, life is difficult whether you're a believer or not. The Bible says the rain falls upon the just and the unjust. We all have our challenges and our difficulties. No one in this room has been without challenges and difficulties. And when challenges come, you've got to realize that you can't be saying, I wish I was back there then. As believers, don't say, oh man, it's really hard as a believer. I think I'd be better back as a non-believer. No, that's not true. When you were a believer, you came from darkness to light. You didn't know anything in darkness. In light, you know much, and God begins to stir you up, and the devil doesn't like you now. He had you back then, but he doesn't have you now. And so he's he's trying to do things against you. But this is interesting. The children of Israel always complain, but you never heard Moses in his entire time of leading the children of Israel out. You never heard him saying anything that they said. He never said, I wish I was back in Egypt. I wish, I wish, I wish. Yet Moses was the one that had it best in Egypt and the children of Israel had it worst. What was the difference? Here's these people that are saying, you know, we we need to get back to Egypt. Why? It was terrible back there. You were dying. Your children were dying. What was the difference? What was the difference between Moses' attitude and the children of Israel's attitude? Now, you have to understand this because this is going to take us into the New Testament. Watch this. You have to understand the difference was this. Moses had an encounter with God. Moses had an encounter with God. With God. Now, we see this in, in uh, Exodus chapter 3. And here in Exodus chapter 3, he's tending sheep. And he's, he has all the sheep. And all of a sudden, he's, and you know this story, he sees a burning bush off to his right or so. And, and this, this bur- bush is burning, but it's not consumed. It just keeps burning. It would be like a tree lit out here that burns, but nothing burns. And it just keeps burning. And, and he, is, he looks over there and, and, and checks it out. And, and sure enough... It's, it's burning, but it's not consumed. The Bible says this, Exodus 3, 3, I will now turn aside and see. Notice this. The word turn aside is to turn off your, your regular path. 
In other words, Moses deliberately departed from his planned course of action to respond to the Holy Spirit, though he didn't know it was him yet, who beckoned him. So Exodus 3, 4 then says, So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Now watch this. It wasn't until Moses turned aside to look that God spoke his name. Can I tell you right now, it's not until you turn aside to look to God that God will respond to you. Here's the principle. God will always set up a God trap for you. But you have to take the first step. He will not speak until you step towards it. Now, Moses could have said, I, I, can't, I can't do it. I got all these sheep, and if I leave these sheep, they're going to scatter. It's going to take me days to get them back, et cetera, et cetera. But God knew that Moses need, needed him. So God probably would not have responded to Moses and spoken to him if he had not responded and, and stepped towards it. This is always the pattern of God. God takes an initial step towards us. If we respond, he then takes another step and draws close to us. If we don't respond, he draws away. Now, this is fascinating because uh, as, G, as Moses and, and the children of Israel had differing opinions on, on why they were being led, this is the fascinating thing is the motive for Moses taking them out of Egypt. Now, here in, in beside this, this mountain place where Moses was, which is Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, he has an encounter with God. God speaks to him, tells him he's going to be a deliverer, tells him what's going to happen, anoints him. He takes off his shoes because the place is holy. There's another whole message I can't get into that I wanted to get into today about the fear of the Lord. I don't think the church understands the fear of the Lord and the reverence of God. We tend to just be, oh, clap happy and friendly, and, you know, but sometimes there's a reverence that's needed. And as Moses turned aside, he became reverent and realized this is a, this is a pretty sovereign moment. He had an encounter with God. God touched him. God moved upon him. Moses then goes back. God takes him to the children of Israel. He delivers them. But this is interesting. When Moses was bringing the children out of Egypt, do you know where he was taking them? This is a trick question. He was taking them, and most people would say, the promised land. That's incorrect. That's not the correct answer. That's not true. He was actually headed for the very place that he had had an encounter with God. He was going back to Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai. And Exodus 7, 16 tells us this. It says, let my people go so that we may worship, they may worship me in the desert. In other words, Moses was taking them out of, the, out of Egypt, not to inherit a land, but to meet their God. Now you follow me here. Moses, Moses had had such an incredible experience and encounter that changed his life. He wanted to take all of his kids there. Now, I know you, you've probably been in the same place before where you take, you go back to the place, man, children, this is where mom and I, we had this incredible, amazing encounter with God. And they, we talk about it and they go, oh yeah, okay, yeah, right. 
That's, that's great, Mom. That's great, Dad. But unless they have an encounter, they won't understand it. But Moses was attempting to take them back. He wanted them to experience at that place what he had encountered. And so he, he knew, now watch this carefully, he knew that if he first brought them to the promised land, they would end up loving the promises more than the promiser. If he took them first to the promised land, they would love the gifts and the benefits more than they would love the giver. And we, we tend to do this. We, I want to tell you, I think this is, the problem, this is the problem in the church in America and probably the world. We seek God for benefits rather than we seek God for a relationship. God, I have a problem today. Got to help me. Boy, it's, it's fascinating as a pastor how people come out of the woodwork when they have a problem. Pastor, you got to help me. Uh, why do I have to help you? Because I got a problem. Oh, well, where have you been the last six years? Well, I didn't have a problem. That, I think that's how dad, how dad, our God, our father God, our daddy feels. We don't have anything to do with God until we have a problem. And then we need his help. We need his benefits. And so we run to him. No, why don't we just spend time with him all the time? You see, Moses had had an encounter with God. It changed his whole perspective. And all he wanted to do is take his kids back there so they could have an encounter with God. And we know what happened when, when he got there, he was expecting his kids to get touched by God. But notice what happens. He goes up on Mount Sinai. He goes up there to have a meeting with God. God gives him the Ten Commandments. He comes back down and they have little patience and little waiting ability, and they start following other gods. And here's, here's the audacity even of Moses' brother Aaron, who's, who says, oh, Moses, we, we just put this gold and we threw it in the fire, and out comes a golden calf. Yeah, right. You see, they didn't have the patience to follow their God because they hadn't had an encounter with God. And God was about to have an encounter with them, but before he could do it, they left. And you remember the story. 3,000 died before God that day. By the way, the same amount that came to Jesus on the day of Pentecost. Just a thought. There's all these things in Scripture that ties it all together. Now, here I'm, I'm here to tell you this. We've got to have an encounter with God. We've got to start passionately pursuing having an encounter with God. Not, we're not here today to receive all of his good things and all of his benefits and all his packages. We're here to have a relationship with God that changes us. And we see this all through the Bible. We have God encounters all through the Bible. Paul, Acts chapter 9. Here is the Osama bin Laden of the New Testament. His name is Saul. He's going to persecute the Christians. He's going to, you know, take their heads off and destroy them and persecute them. And all of a sudden, on the way to Damascus, he falls down before God. God accosts him in a way. A light comes from heaven. He has an encounter with God that touches him physically and spiritually. He goes blind. And God all of a sudden speaks to him from heaven and says to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And all of a sudden, that night, Paul's life was changed because he had seen God, heard God, had an encounter with God. 
I'm telling you, even if you, even if you hate God, God is in the process of setting up an encounter that will bring you back to him. And today you might be here and you might be saying, you know, I don't know if I really want to be associated with you. I'm telling you, God wants you. And once he has you, it'll change your life. The book of, the book of Acts also tells us in Acts chapter two, we have Peter. Peter's probably the most dramatic person in the, in the New Testament. Here, now watch this. Peter lives with Jesus for three and a half years. He lives with him. He, he sees all the miracles, the signs, the wonders. He, he receives his teachings. He does all these things. Yet when the soldiers come to get Jesus to crucify him, he flees. And then when he goes to a fireside and this little girl uh, accuses him of something and, and intimidates him, he, he refuses he, and he rejects Jesus. But all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 2, this same Peter is changed. Why? He was with Jesus, but he didn't receive Jesus. I tell you, there's probably people in the church here right now, they've been around teachings, they've been around the, the, the uh, an, an anointing, maybe even the understanding of re- the revelation, but you've never had a personal encounter with God, and therefore, even today, you, you will be like Peter, and you can get easily intimidated. Once, once Peter received the Holy Spirit, everything changed. And you see the result. I mean, Peter didn't even want to be uh, crucified on the cross like Jesus, so he requested that he be crucified upside down as he was martyred. I mean, talk about the power of a, of a life that's transformed. It's amazing. Many of you may have served God, served him, been with, with the church many, many years, but you need a living encounter with God that will change your life. We also see Zacchaeus in Luke 19. You know this story, businessman, a tax collector. He goes up in a tree, wants to see Jesus, but Jesus just doesn't want to see him. He wants to relate to him. He he calls him to himself. They come, and he goes to to Zacchaeus' house, and in that house, he has an encounter with God. How do I know he had an encounter with God? Because he made a commitment, a vow to make restitution for every wrong that he had done in his business. He had an encounter with God. I'm telling you right now, there may be some here today that have been doing business all your life, but you need an encounter with Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit to come. The, the, the last one I'm going to mention, then I'm going to end here with just a few thoughts. There, the, another man who had an encounter with God was the lame man at the gate beautiful. In Acts chapter 3, we see the story of Peter and John who were, who were going to the temple. The gate beautiful is right, right outside the, the, the temple. And they're going into the temple to, to worship. Here's a lame man from his birth. He's sitting right outside here. And he's, the, the, the scripture indicates that he's probably pretty religious because he's right outside the door. He couldn't go in the temple because of his, of his impurity. But he was right outside the door. And he'd, he'd spent most of his life there. And here Peter and John on this one day, an appointed day, an appointed day and a sign day for his encounter. Peter and John come and they say, you know, silver and gold we don't have, but such as we have, we're going to give you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he rose up and walked. Do you think that was worth more than silver and gold? That's about, he had an encounter with gold. That changed his life that day because of his encounter. Some of you may have been at the door of the church all your life. You've seen all these things. You've asked God for all these things. But God has an assigned day to give you his encounter, his anointing, his healing, his blessing. Now I close with these thoughts. You still with me? 
you need to realize the Holy Spirit's after you. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon me, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Notice this. When the, it's after the Holy Spirit comes upon you that you will receive power. You know what the power is in the, in the Greek? It's dunamis or dynamite. I'm telling you, when I was filled with the Spirit, dynamite came into my spirit. It changed everything. It changed the way I looked at things. It, it changed my personality. I was passionate for God. Everything about the Word came alive. It was, an, it was a new day because I had that Holy Spirit encounter. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And I'm just going to give you the points here so you can realize, you can put this down. When, when does the Holy Spirit come upon you? Well, the, the scripture in Acts chapter 2 says, when you're in the right place, you have to be in the right place. So the Holy Spirit's going to upon you when you're in the right place. They were in the upper room. It was the right place. It's what produced critical mass. Critical mass is a nuclear term. It refers to the minimum amount of radioactive material that can and will sustain a nuclear chain reaction. I'm telling you, God is looking for those who can and will sustain a chain reaction of glory and the Holy Spirit power that can, that can actually produce critical mass. Get in the right place. When God speaks it, get there. When, when, the, the second thing is, is you will receive, when, when, when does the Holy Spirit come upon you? When you obey. You have to obey. The word of God was go to Jerusalem and wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Well, they could have said, well, I don't really want to go there. I just want to just... If you don't go there, you don't get there. And if you don't get there, you don't get the Holy Spirit. Obey. There's no way to impress God better than obedience. Obedience activates God's promises. Number three, when does the Holy Spirit come upon you? When you wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Tarry there. Wait. In Isaiah 40, it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Waiting isn't always easy. In fact, I'm not sure it's ever easy. And we tend to have our own timetable and expect God to work on our timetable. The word wait in the Hebrew in the Old Testament means exchange. It doesn't mean time. It means exchange. When we wait, we exchange our weakness for the Holy Spirit empowerment. Come on. Fourthly, you're going to meet the Holy Spirit when you put your faith into action. Can I tell you this? we got to start stepping out when the Holy Spirit says something. Step out when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. If you will start stepping out when he speaks to you, guess what happens? He'll speak to you more. He'll start doing things to you. He'll start giving you his word. Believe the word. Faith without works is dead. Fifthly, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit when you persevere, when you actually persevere. They waited for 10 days. They didn't know when it was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, they waited for 10 days. And through, But the Bible says, through faith and patience, you will inherit the promises of God. So they waited for 10 days. On that 50th day, can you imagine? They were in that room for 10 days, smelly, and, you know, they hadn't taken showers or whatever. And, but all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows up, and there's, there's, a, there's a roar like a jet engine. And all of a sudden, there's, there's a fire that falls upon every individual person. It wasn't just a cloud of fire. It was an individual tongue of fire that touched every person. God is interested in every person. 
He wants to fill every person with his Holy Spirit. He wants to make everyone a little Christ, everyone a living temple, so you can actually fulfill the call of God on your life. And so what happens, you, you, you need to persevere. Sixthly, you don't let others' decisions affect or delay you. In other words, don't give in to peer pressure. I'm telling you, adults have peer pressure as much as kids. Why do I know this? Well, how many in Acts chapter 1, how many showed up to see Jesus in his ascension? How many saw him while he was on the earth? 500. That wasn't a trick question. 500. How many showed up in the, in the, in the upper room? What happened to the other 380? It was only 10 days. What happened to the others? Uh, peer pressure. Well, I don't know. If we, we, we're doing a lot. We got a lot of stuff we got to do this week. And I, I don't know. And how many of you have been talked out of decisions for Jesus? How many have been, you know, you've given into peer pressure? Ephesians 6, 12 says, and having done all, stand. Stand. Number seven, are you still with me? Just about done. Number seven, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit when you hunger and thirst after righteousness. Uh, Matthew 5 says, you got to hunger and thirst after him. Be hungry after him. Be hungry. How much of the novelty of Jesus and his resurrection had kind of fallen off by the time, by the, time the upper room came about? We need to continue to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Can I tell you, the older you get in the Lord, the more uh, tendency is if you're not careful to just kind of get a little dispassionate and a little apathetic. And you have to keep pressing. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, as I'm, I'm older than most of you here, you got to keep pressing. You got to keep passionate. You got to keep in the Word. You got to keep worshiping. You got to keep all those things. Or you just kind of uh, keep after it. Keep hungering and thirsting after righteousness and see what God will do. The Holy Spirit's here today. I felt Him all day. And the last one, number eight, you, you will receive the Holy Spirit when you're in unity with others. Bible says they were in one accord. They were all together in one place in one accord. Amos says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Psalms 133 says, God commands a blessing where there's unity. All those things mean that when that happens, you're going to have an encounter with God. God's going to change your life. You know, I wish every, wish would happen today. I wish you'd all have an encounter with God would change you in everything you're doing. Because once you have it, you'll never be the same again. Do you know the problem with most of us? We don't want to give enough to have an encounter. Come on, you got to press. People hunger after it, thirst after it. See what God will do. And I close with this. The result of this is number two, first of all, you're going to be transformed. If you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to get transformed. Peter is the shining example. I mean, he's transformed. The word transform is the word metamorpho, changed from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Listen, once the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have an encounter with God, you're changed into a whole new person. You want to be a whole new person? Let the Holy Spirit come upon you. He's going to change you. He's going to transform. You will then be empowered. Secondly, you're going to be empowered. God is going to empower you 
to allow you to testify and to do whatever's necessary. In other words, if the Holy Spirit lives within you, if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will also quicken your mortal body. Listen, if we're more cognizant of the Holy Spirit, you could do more powerful and supernatural things. Which leads me to the point three, is you will be given the ability to walk out the Christian life as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You were not meant to live the Christian life on your own power. You were not meant to be a, a non-supernatural uh, non person. You were meant to be a supernatural person. That's why most Christians are fatigued and, and they get burnt out, etc., because they've not been filled with the Spirit and are walking in the Spirit. Therefore, because you can only do this walk as the Holy Spirit gives you power and authority. I, I, I got to tell you this. I just, you know, my wife and I, we've been trying to speak in our language at least an hour a day, just exhibit, manifesting the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't know, a few days ago, I was, we were just talking and I was just, I had been uh, praying and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and I, I, I like the news. I, I'm, I'm a current event guy and I like the news and I pray the news. So I've been praying all these things happening around the world. And I'm going, okay, God, what, what are you going to do? And God spoke to me. This is before what happened this last week. God spoke to me and says, uh, watch North Korea. I'm going to turn North Korea into an ally of the United States. I'm going to cause North Korea and South Korea to come, come together. In fact, North Korea is going to be totally changed and you will see the manifestation of Jesus in that land that will show all people what happens when a nation changes from evil to good. And then I woke up on Friday. The news, I get news reports. I just, that's what I read on my phone. And the news report, missionaries now allowed in North Korea. Now, I... I actually, I, I had, I actually turned to Connie and I, I, I told her all this. I prophesied all this because the Holy Spirit was talking to me. And then I see it happen in the news. I'm telling you, if you will just tie into the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you all kinds of stuff. You know, and, and, and we're taking, in two weeks, we're taking our interns to Washington, D.C. Watch out. Every time we go into those offices, the Holy Spirit shows up because I know and we pray, we believe and God shows up and and. Not one time have we ever met with a leader that something hasn't happened. Not one time. I'm telling you, when you walk in the Holy Spirit, things will happen. And lastly, you'll be a witness. Fourthly, you'll be a witness. Uh, the book of Peter says Peter was an eyewitness of his majesty. Wow. We need to be witnesses. What do witnesses do? They tell, they, they tell everybody what they saw, what they heard, and what they've done. Who they've been with. Come on, people. Allow the Holy Spirit to come. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.